spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Hello and welcome to I'd Sooner Forget This, a podcast where guests share with you an artifact from their past that they'd sooner the world didn't know about. Like my first ever tweet back in 2010, which was, okay, so what have I learned in my first 30 minutes on Twitter? You need to sell yourself and Twitter is not spelt Twitter. Productive. <laughs> I'm Daryl Smith, and joining me today is comedian and musician David Hoare. Hi there. Hi. What have you brought with yourself? I have brought with me some musical artefacts from my past. I nearly brought with me a few other things, because I listened to your other podcasts, and I listened to Ellen Waddell talk about comics she'd made when she was younger, and I suddenly remembered, I tried to make a webcomic with my friends, and I listened to Reardon talking about his video he made for school and thought... We tried to make a horror film when we were in year eight, and that's in the ether somewhere. And there's bad photos of me at my MySpace prom, not MySpace prom, but there's bad photos of me at my prom on MySpace with a bad haircut. And there's obviously bad videos of me doing stand-up somewhere, because we all start somewhere. But I have song lyrics and music I have made throughout my life. Wow. And so the first lyrics that we're going to look at, when are they from? (laughs) I'm guessing 2004. 2005 when i was about 15 14 15 possibly younger though noting how much they seem to be influenced by linkin park that is a very exciting (laughs) (laughs) um although generous to myself because i i mean linkin park were better than this uh well let's hear it and then we can judge that (laughs) statement this is Untitled, but it begins. <laughs> People screaming at the man who's hearing nothing because he's deaf. Feelings calling you to mourning at the thought of your own death. Making the decision about having a choice for which one you want to choose. I said wanna, not wanting. But in the end, you know it doesn't matter because your conscience says you're gonna lose. Definitely couldn't spell conscience either. It's like, it's bad. And then I've got some bits crossed out, but they're still legible, which is apparently not good enough for this song. I still made it into it, which is, you know that you need to be aware of what's out there. So much opportunity wasted because of indecision and the inability to dare, which is poignant, but apparently not good enough for the song. Uh, People trying to get by on an insecure, uncertain plan taking shortcuts and skipping corners by cutting out the middle man. But if you cut him out, you know that you will not survive. They will find you and they will try to make you do your time. In the end, you get born. (laughs) Try to get by, but then you'll die. But listen to the middle man and (laughs) then you'll have time to... 
Live your life to the full. <laughs> just gave up on rhyming at the end. <laughs> well, live your life to the full is written in big letters at the bottom. So I'm imagining that was kind of the big, you know, maybe that was my bridge section of the song. I feel physically hot from embarrassment after reading that. Have you any idea what that song's meant to be about? <laughs> Apparently a middleman. <laughs> I thought I know what that is. Not, I wouldn't have known what a middleman was then. <laughs> People screaming at the man who's hearing nothing because he's deaf. Is he the middleman? What is the middleman? Do you? I don't know. Do you remember writing it? I remember that, like reading that lyric is a sort of thing. I remember thinking, yeah, this is cool. I don't know what it means, but I don't know what most of the other song lyrics mean in songs, and they seem cool. I think I was attempting to be deep, but possibly thinking that being deep just meant being mysterious and not writing things that actually had any point or anything. Yeah, so so you weren't <laughs> you weren't writing the song about anything that you wanted to write about. You were writing that song about something that you think people write about. I think so. Yeah, there's some other bits crossed out. Cheating people out of things by cutting out the middleman. Yeah, I crossed it. I crossed that out again. Not good enough for this song. I must have. Yeah, maybe I'd heard the phrase. I used to like hear phrases. Like I remember hearing the phrase utopia, mm. looking it up, and then I wrote like seven songs with the word utopia in it. Can't find any of them now. But um, so I probably heard the phrase middleman and was like, yeah, the middleman. I write a song about that. Not knowing what <laughs> that even is. Did you do anything with songs like at the at the time? Were you playing a, a musical instrument? I was definitely playing guitar by this point. Um, I started playing guitar in year eight, so it would have been like twelve. This could be lyrics for we. Me and my friends formed a band and never played a note together, but we used to meet like every Tuesday, and we were like, one day we're gonna get this band together. We called ourselves Anti Scale because of words we put together. I believe. And then we'd meet together and I think we had three guitarists, no bassist and a drummer who never came to any of the meetings because he lived in Luton. We all lived in Harpenden. So you were meeting up to talk <laughs> about a band without your instruments? There might have been like a microphone in the room, which it was like an amp mic combo. So I think there was like a, like a Squire Strat and like a 10 watt amp and a microphone. And I probably wrote down these lyrics being like, I'll write the lyrics and we'll just work it out from there. So it could be from that, but it could be post-anti-scale as well. So what were you talking about in those meetings? It was probably half like, yeah, let's write a song about this. Or I think we just sat around and listened to Hybrid Theory. And then we'd be like, we should form a band like this. And then maybe one of us would play guitar riffs and then... Maybe one of us. We probably only met like four or five times. I, I just find that fascinating that you're meeting up with people <laughs> to like to be in a band, mm -hmm. but they're not playing together. Yeah. It would be like cycle enthusiasts meeting in a pub and talking about bikes, yet none of them ever Cycling. seen any of the other ones on a bike. <laughs> yeah, that's about as far as that band went. And do you still speak to any of those yeah, people? Yeah, sure. I've, I'm still kind of in contact with, with a few of them, yeah. I haven't discussed with them anti-scale in a long time. Maybe I will next time I speak to them. <laughs> the thing is, is that as anti-scale never played together, you don't know how 
great anti-scales version of this untitled track could have been. I'm imagining a lot of power chords. Like oh, a yeah. lot, probably in drop D. This is basically you trying to sound like Linkin Park. Oh, yeah. If you're, you're 15, that must have been one of the first bands that you properly got into. Uh, yeah, it went Limp Biscuit, then Linkin Park. I really, really liked uh, that Mission Impossible theme tune, Take a Look Around. Oh, yes. Which is, I still think it's pretty good, but obviously with kind of rose-tinted spectacles. But like, yeah, I had like a, I had a red cap and I was a big Grebo, basically. I really, really like being a Grebo. Grebo. Now that is a word that I've not heard in years. Wow. I have a song that's recorded that I performed up until a few years ago called The Grebo Song about being a dirty, greasy Grebo. What made you a Grebo? Being a Grebo, you needed baggy jeans. You need a band t-shirt, a chain, skateboard shoes, the willingness to skate and owning a skateboard, but not really the ability to do it. And basically every, you try and grow your hair out and then every like two months, your mum would force you to get a haircut. And you'd ask if you could go to Brixton Academy and see Limp Biscuit Live and they were like, you're 12. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I I remember, I, I feel like I uh, was slightly involved in the green bonus. I remember always hanging out at a skate park, mm. not owning a skateboard. Oh, yeah. And, and having you'd see someone that yeah, vans, DCs, you'd have like a World Industries t-shirt or something like that. Um, and you'd listen to Limp Biscuit, Linkin Park, Papa Roach, Slipknot, Kitty. Don't remember Kitty. Blink one eight two. I know they're a little softer than what a also, lot of those I groups. Think new new metal kids listen to pop, pop, pop punk as well. So a lot of like Blink one eight two and Green Day and Sum Forty One was all kind of thrown in, but. That was kind of like light relief for I'm so sad because my mum won't let me grow my hair. Yes. It's weird. That was a strange time in music, like Evanescence. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's like kind of the combination of hip hop and metal with none of the integrity of either. Yeah. Horrendously depressing. But because it was put to like... You're like, yeah, this this speaks to me. And you're 13 and you don't really know what problems are. And you're just like, this speaks to me so much. This is my life. And then you listen to it several years later and you're like, oh, I didn't. You're like, what problems did I have? N- none, really. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. When I look at. Especially in middle class suburbia. Yeah. <laughs> when I look at all the poems that I wrote when I was the exact same age, uh, like, they're all so depressing. I'm like, I don't remember being sad at the time. I remember quite liking everything. <laughs> well, the, my, finding these lyrics, I sent my mum into my old bedroom and she found them in a box, in a folder marked geography. Um, and she was just reading them down the phone to me, which is a really fun exercise where she was just like, is this embarrassing enough? Is this embarrassing enough? And then she'd find ones that were just really depressing. And she was like, you were la ha ho <laughs> That's interesting. How did that feel with your mum reading them to you? Uh, a bit like reading it out, just funny, but embarrassed and just kind of trying to piece together, like, what was my motivation past I reckon if I write these deep songs, I will get famous eventually. Was that like, so at the time, were you keen for fame? I think I had a nylon string acoustic guitar and I basically was like, 
in my bedroom pretending that I was on stage at something with like an acoustic, like with an electric guitar and a band, and we rock it. <laughs> so you must at, at the time you must have been pretty confident about those songs to you myself be- and maybe to anyone I might have wanted to collaborate in a band with. Well, that's I've- what I mean. You were sh- you were happy to share them with other people. Like, you didn't hide them in the box straight away? I don't know about these... These Some of them, yeah, I probably would have... I probably would have been like, oh, we've got a band together, I'll share it with the band. And then we didn't really have a band because we didn't play anything together. Mm. And then, yeah, they probably were just things I might have shown to, like, one person or another. They just... But yeah, probably they just went in a folder and I was like, I'll just leave them for once I'm famous and then I can go back into the file and find the old classics that I wrote when I was 14 and be like, yeah, don't have to even write a song now I'm famous because I already wrote them when I was 14. You still write now? (laughs) Yeah. So have you never, has there ever been a point between now and then that you've stopped writing songs? I didn't really start consistently writing songs till I was about 22. I'd write like music on my guitar and try and put it together, but I wouldn't have any band to play it with or anything like that. Right the way from like twelve all the way up to now. But to write a full song with like lyrics and stuff, I would basically, or just even writing down lyrics like these ones, I would just do it sporadically and be like, "Oh, I should write a song again. That was that was great. I remember writing a song. That was fun." And then I was like, oh, oh, and then you know, leave it for several months, and then oh, I'll probably write another one. And that probably just happened every so often. Which possibly led to me writing songs now that I'm actually proud of. Mm. But so it's all part of it. Do you even now look at, like, say, anything that you'd written, say, two years ago and try and rewrite it? Or is it all just getting, like, locked away? I think I try and write something and then maybe perform it. And then I've only really started kind of rewriting songs recently. Mostly it's just I kind of go, oh, that's done with. I can't get any more out of that whereas now i kind of am trying to as well like like with stand-up and stuff it's just you've got to kind of rework things and you find there's beats like comedy beats that you should be hitting and if there's like long stretches of a song where i'm not kind of getting the funny out then i need to rewrite that section because it might be like a good point but it kind of loses momentum otherwise that's interesting. It's interesting what you say about comedy songwriting because that's, I suppose, that's very different from a more conventional song. Yeah. In that you're not thinking, uh, even even if say you're trying to get across a particular emotion in a song, like say if mm-hmm. you're just trying to make people feel sad, you're not. I, I doubt many writers are thinking, oh, they've not felt this in four the, lines or something. Exactly. Yeah. You can't go like, are they feeling? Are they experiencing love every four lines? You're just kind of oozing out an emotion, whether it's like happiness or romance or whatever, In a, when you're writing a more conventional song, whereas in comedy songs you are kind of like, joke, and like subverting things. And it's all, you're all just, you're just kind of either going for the laugh or building up to the laugh. Mm. So when did when did you jump from writing conventional songs to comedy songs? So when I was at uni, I started doing music open mic nights. And I think this is the, the main thing that you'll probably discover from these lyrics and things is that I always wanted to be a musician. I don't have the talent or the conviction 
to be a serious musician. And so I would go to these open mic nights and perform badly. I, I could shred in my bedroom on my electric guitar, but you get me on stage and I could barely play three chords together and keep it in time. And my voice would go like four octaves too high. And so I would play songs that I wanted. Like I just do covers and perform them badly. And then my friends would kind of laugh, but I kind of enjoyed the laughter. And then I'd point out mistakes I made more. And then I started doing medleys and trying to like link together songs and like do that intricately. And whilst I was doing all of this, I, my friend who was running the open mic night played a funny song that somebody else had written. And everyone kind of stopped what they were doing and sat around and watched and laughed. And it was really engaging. And I was like, that looks great. I'm going to try that. But just like for the next uh for the next open mic night like a month later and so i wrote like one song and then that went well and then i was like oh that was fun maybe i could try and write some other silly songs and then wrote like three or four more and then was performing those in amongst still like covers and things and then slowly but surely the covers went away and then i just started writing more and more funny songs so so you've also brought with you an example of later writing um so this is a a lyric book from when you were 19 was it what's its title on the front davies banging lyrics yo so the grebo song is actually in this book uh and song songs like i bought a high school musical t-shirt and now everyone thinks i'm gay um <laughs> so you had started writing um comedy songs at this point. not at this point this is just like those are like way later in this book these were just i just found a place to write them down but at the beginning of this book there's something called Reflectrem. And I remember writing, I'd got music software by this point and could record into it. And I'd recorded a guitar and layered it up with some other things like a bass and like a synthesizer. And I was like, I'll try and write some lyrics to that. I've written lyrics before. I could probably do it. Uh, and, and it went like this. The sun has gone. The day is long. You are still young. And the fire burns bright for you. Remember, son, the journey's long to the dragon's tongue. <laughs> to the what, sorry? The dragon's tongue. <laughs> but the trail is there for you. One in front of the other shoe. <laughs> is shoe capitalised? No. <laughs> but it looks remarkably similar to the way I've spelled shone in the next line. The light has shone. On the trail that's long, and so we will venture on till we find out what's true, what's left for me and you. It's some classic rhyming. (laughs) (laughs) It kind of drifts into kind of like, oh yeah, the kind of like an end of the day sort of song. Yeah. Of which many have been written. And then in the middle of that, I'm just like, to the dragon's tongue. Yeah, that's that's a such a weird lyric. <laughs> it, takes, it just violently drifts off yeah. into fantasy and then back into reality. Like that the, the Dragon's Tongue sounds like sounds like a great pub. Sounds like <laughs> the name of a great pub. Yeah. Um Go have a cheeky half down the Dragon's Tongue. <laughs> yeah. Uh so so what kind of music was that was that intended for then? Like electronic? Uh, so like kind of soft electric guitar i could probably actually still play the actual music that went to it um but like soft electric guitar 
I, I remember really wanting to try and make, write music in the style of the Go team. Do you know the Go team? Oh, yeah. But not like the really rambunk. I kind of wanted to write the band rambunctious stuff as well, but not like that, but like the kind of like subdued stuff, um, which is like really pleasant. Is this song actually about anything or is it another attempt of just writing a song? <laughs> I think so. I think the latter. <laughs> I remember, so me and my friend had, in between this, I'd been in a group group is a strong word i'd been in a duet called Haw kelly 3000 with my friend andy kelly who's like a he's really big in the bristol improv scene and he's really really great improviser uh but we wanted to write music together and we tried to write serious music together and he was much but he'd been in like he'd actually been in comedy bands before that but he was a lot better at being sincere and we tried writing stuff together um, I've just remembered there's another I've just remembered we wrote a song together that I regret as well with him but that's fine Um, <laughs> sorry I'm being, completely veered <laughs> off why here. do you regret that what was what, what that flashback I wrote a song a, so, so I think as you're saying you're rightly pointing out I basically would just try and write a song with no point and I think the first time I probably didn't write it with no point. I probably still even possibly didn't have point. I wrote a song about the book Mortal Engines because I just read it and I liked bands that had written songs about books. And I was like, I'll do that. But it's like a weird sort of dystopian like teen fiction about airships. Right. And yeah, I tried to write like a meaningful song about it. Is this one of those songs that use the word utopia? <laughs> Quite possibly. <laughs> Musically, that song was actually all right. I still quite like that. But I, th- I think somebody played it to me recently and I was just sat there being like, oh, no, that's bad. I think it's on MySpace. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but after that, I remember being like, we could venture into more serious realms and try and amp the Go team. And I've got the ability to layer up stuff. So why don't I try and write stuff? And this is what I came up with. And I'm pretty sure I never presented it to Andy with these lyrics. So, oh, so th- this is the first anyone's ever heard this one. Oh yeah, <laughs> which is why the shame is hot. I yeah, can you can you say the shame on me? Is it visible? I look, it's 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 so interesting. It's when someone starts putting their <laughs> hands through their hair. That's when you know, like it's as if you're trying to wipe away the shame. Yeah, exactly <laughs> that. <sighs> yeah. Um, so, so at the time, so at the time you were in this duet or you had moved on? We were at university and like, I was in Leeds and he was in Exeter. So there was no way of us really collaborating. But I think the idea was I was going to write stuff at uni and then take it back. Cause Andy and I always hang out. We did our band during the summer. We mm. did it for like three summers in a row. We'd like meet up and play like every couple of days and jam for an hour, then play Mario Kart for an hour, then jam for an hour, play Mario Kart for an hour, watch The Simpsons eat dinner and then go home so i was hoping when i came back after uni because i was doing like a music tech degree so i probably had some like grand idea in my head of being like well i've probably got access to make something good why don't i start working on something great uh so when did you uh when did you stop uh playing together i don't think we ever got back together to do this bit so probably about 2009 2010 i think so probably like second year of uni Kind of when you realise that working together was not going to be feasible. Yes. And it's like, yeah, you come home from uni and it's just like, 
if you, you when you're not speaking together all the time because you're at uni and stuff and you're doing living your own lives and then you just think oh i'll go back in the summer and everyone will be there and then eventually people will actually just started having their own lives and doing everything else and what you thought you could just kind of fall back into just goes away mm. that's so true that's so true of even uh say now mm. so when so i i live in Bristol now but uh my family live in norfolk and every time that i go back to norfolk a bit like to visit them i think oh i can go see some of my friends um who i used to hang out with but now there's very there's about two or three of them now left actually living mm-hmm. even in norfolk itself you know people do just spread out and that their lives entangle with other people and then it's like what you remember being the social groups don't exist anymore yeah it's i think you could kind of like imagine it like a kind of tv town sort of like a simpsons sort of thing where like if you just went back to it it'd all still be the same Mm. but you've gone on with your life so everyone else will have done as well like they're not just sitting around waiting like i wonder when daryl's gonna come back and when when, when's david coming back to harpenden then we can all do the things that he likes to do that's just not but we'll just wait for him whilst he goes and lives his life and then that's not how life works at all and so you probably come up with great ideas like next time i see them we'll do that and then you don't see him for ages and then the next time you see him you've forgotten about it or you're like drunk down the pub or what have you so what we're going to do to end this episode is actually listen to some of the music that you produce when you were younger yeah so what are we about to listen to (laughs) so i think when i was about 17 18 i started doing music technology at school and we'd got access to midi so i could program in midi and i was doing it for school so i was doing it like every day or at least every week uh was it stuff like fruity loops uh i was using cubase but it was like probably cubase 3 maybe earlier and so that coincided with like the discovery of like pendulum and the prodigy and i remember having this kind of like i'm gonna try and write a song like pendulum this is really exciting i reckon i could write something on using this software that people will dance to and i was really quite serious about like i'm gonna make the next like prodigy song the next pendulum song i think those are the only two things in drum and bass i'd ever really even heard of and so i made this and uh and what's it called it's called active theory and i believe it's called that because i looked around the room i was in and i saw a box with the word active on it and i looked around and saw another one and there was a driving theory test (laughs) (laughs) and had you at this point given yourself a name I hadn't. It later went on MySpace under the name Hardcore Whore. Uh, You've got such a malleable surname. It's good, isn't it? I think uh, under potentially a release called Raven Dave. But yeah. (laughs) Um, Right, so this is actually... (laughs) Just the fact that you're saying it like that. This is active theory, yeah. So I went all radio presenter. (laughs) So this next hot one is... uh... Hardcore Whore! Hard, this is hardcore hall. Turn the bass up on this one. <laughs> this is active theory. That's some wind for effect. Uh, I think I was attempting to be atmospheric. <laughs> so. 
sounds like a Final Fantasy boss. I was playing a lot of Final Fantasy at that time. <laughs> it's so distorted. <laughs> <laughs> no idea of what sound levels are. Everything as loud as everything else. <laughs> oh, the the hardest thing as as an audio producer is looking at the waveform of this and just seeing a block of sound. Uh, it's horrible to look at. Okay. You, could, you could turn it into a green screen and like put gifs over it. <laughs> And what I reckon I did is I probably sat with my guitar and tried to write melodies and then put it into synthesizers and probably sat there going, this doesn't sound quite as cool as Pendulum. But how do you... How do you... <laughs> how do you make it sound that good? I remember now there's some claps. So the people in the clubs, which I'd never been to at this point, could clap along to. <laughs> I believe like Enter Shikari would be at this time as well so clapping was it, it does sound more like Enter Shikari than Pendulum or Pro- I suppose there is a little bit of them but it does sound a lot like an Enter Shikari kind of yeah. feel because they had a lot of that high simp yeah for sure oh this is clearly the we're coming up to the end <laughs> the big drop don't give it away that there's a false end. Yeah! <laughs> um, <laughs> it sounds like it's going to continue a lot the same for the rest of the song. <laughs> shut up. Shut up. That's my, that's my work I've worked on, but yeah, no. There's some more claps in there just so that they can, you know. Uh, well, we're coming, we're, we'll, we'll listen to the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. We're coming up towards the end. A little bit of variety there, or at lower. <laughs> you look stunned. What a treat! <laughs> How does that feel? Sharing it with. Others is difficult, but kind of fun. Like, I, my body is like, I feel tight and stiff. I probably look way less relaxed than I was before. Yeah, you're holding your chest. Yeah, I feel awful. Uh, and why is that? <laughs> She's not here, what it looks like. And what the waveform looks like. <laughs> um, I, I remember trying really hard... I thought I was making something really cool and then I invited my friend Johnny around who I knew had listened to Pendulum like way longer than I had and I played it to him and he just kind of laughed and he was like this is not what Pendulum are about at all and I thought he was a bit of a dick for a bit and then slowly realised that I just made something really stupid (laughs) but I tried so hard Was there a moment when you started feeling 
that you didn't like it anymore and kind of hated it. Well, the weird thing is I've made music subsequently that I really enjoy and didn't finish it or bounce it down. That is in like a tangible state that I can show you. So I liked it enough that I was like, yeah, I've done this and I'm going to bounce it down and put it into a MP3. And put it on MySpace. And put it on MySpace. I think I put. I think by the time I put it on MySpace, I realised that it might be not very good and quite funny. I, 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 yeah, I, I'm kind of speechless. It's, it, it's, it's. I must have. I think I tried really hard to, and I did it because it's kind of like a full song, even though it's not very. It doesn't change very much. And then, yeah, I think I liked it all the way through making it, and then started showing it to people, and then quickly realised that what I'd done. I think I showed it to like one person and then... Well, I know, but I put it on MySpace. But I think at that point, being online wasn't the same as it is now, where like only certain people on online can see what you were doing back then, whereas now it's a lot more universal. I suppose also if you're putting music onto like a MySpace page, it wasn't necessarily clear that it was you personally who had put it up there. Yes, although I think the picture of my face might have... True. Alerted by other people to it. But what you're saying is completely true as well. I remember trying really hard thinking I'm going to make something that people will dance to. Let me look right to Daryl if you dance to that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm kind of sweating right now. This is. Oh. Are you happy that you shared that with me? <laughs> yes. It feels like a big release to show stuff that is kind of rubbish from my past that I can like laugh at now because taking yourself way too seriously is bad and it's also kind of nice to see like I sometimes I think oh I used to write lyrics that were pretty good and then I'll go through stages of writer's block and be like I used to be way better and when I was a teenager I was kind of carefree and writing stuff why can't I be like that now but looking back at what I'd written then I'm quite glad at where I've got to now, to a state where I can like happily perform songs to people and like eager to show them rather than like writing it down, being excited about it for a day and then just putting it in a book and never seeing it again. So it's kind of fun to revisit and think about how I've got to a stage where as a result of writing these songs, it probably there's like a there's a through line from that to me becoming like friends with you, for example, because I kept on wanting to do music and writing songs and then failed upwards to a point where I was just like singing silly songs instead of. That's such an interesting concept. The idea of failing upwards. I completely reckon that's what I've done. But that's such a positive way of looking at, um, you got something a bit wrong, but then the next thing is better. Uh And so actually that wasn't, a failure because that's helped the next great thing oh yeah it's all just a stepping stone to like the greatest failure would be just to abandon it all because you can't do anything right like you're not gonna immediately just be good at something you have to be bad at something for a while and then get better at it and it turns out that i without i didn't really even kind of contemplate until you've asked me to like find these lyrics that i have been writing lyrics for quite a while actually and so when it actually came for a time for me to kind of 
write lyrics that I thought I'd actually want to perform in public, there was probably like a, well, I know that if you can rhyme not only just the song at the end of the, the, the lyric at the end of the line, but you can also have rhymes in between or you can have like two two lines that rhyme and then one line that doesn't and then two more lines that rhyme and then a line that rhymed with the line that didn't rhyme and stuff. And you can build structures and things, but I would have done that while singing about dragon's tongues and <laughs> stuff like that. If you're able to go back in time and speak to yourself back when you had literally just started writing lyrics. Yeah. Is there any advice that you would have wanted to have given yourself? Uh, keep going. People do actually like you. That's probably just separate to songwriting. (laughs) No self-confidence. Yeah, just keep writing and just keep making. Because the more you create, the kind of more likely you are to actually come up with something good. That and people aren't... Not everyone hates you. (laughs) Um, I I feel I could go into that, but that's for a different podcast. (laughs) Um, thank you so much for joining me, David. Thank you very much for um, having me. You're about to do the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Yeah. Uh, where can people see you? So from the 12th to the 20th, Dorian Rainwright and myself are going to be in the Black Market uh, Room 2 uh, at like quarter past midnight. So if you're drunkenly stumbling around the centre of Edinburgh late at night and you want to come see a free show, come see some musical comedy and a ginger man talking about his life. <laughs> I'm sure he'll be fine with that description. If people can't make it to Edinburgh, how can they find you? Uh, If you go on YouTube and just type in David Hall, H-O-A-R-E, I'm one of the first things that comes up there. I'm also on Twitter under Treehead89. And I really wish that wasn't my Twitter handle. (laughs) It's kind of based off a nickname that my friend gave me. The inventor of the internet's nephew. I was at school with him. He gave me the nickname Treehead once. And I thought, that's cool. Because I didn't understand what cool was for a long time as shown with these lyrics and songs (laughs) and so yeah he called me that because i changed my hair quite a lot in an attempt to be cool (laughs) (laughs) um again so many more questions (laughs) different podcast uh thank you thank you david uh thank you for listening to um i'd sooner forget this i've been daryl smith my guest this week was david hall if you just have a few moments of free time then could you please Give this podcast a review and share it. Five stars on iTunes um, would be amazing. If you haven't got the time for that, then just uh, stick around um, and subscribe for the next episode. Thank you. Bye. (laughs) 